Okay. You ready? I suppose. Let's do it. This is going to be, yeah. This is going to hurt. This is going to hurt. <laughs> hey, everybody. I'm Mike Ali. And I'm Nick Kramer. And you're listening to Two for Diving. Uh, the reason we say this episode is going to hurt a little bit is because we've decided to take on the flyer situation um, and figure out what exactly that team's going to be doing uh, this season. So um, you looked like you had something to say. No. You just look, now you just look unhappy. Just, yeah, this is going to... Might as well rip it off like a Band-Aid. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Nick, how, how's that flyer season going for, for anybody who hasn't really been keeping track? Underwhelming is not an egregious enough term to describe what the Flyers have been doing to the fans, um, specifically, specifically in the last few weeks. Well, let me pause you real quick. Going into the season, how did you feel about the Flyers after all their trade? Like, uh, season starts in October. We're in October. How'd you? F- I mean, I'm sure we both had apprehension, but how else did you feel about the season coming up? I was cautiously optimistic about the Flyers coming into the season. I was... Pretty satisfied with the offseason moves that they had made. Um, they indicated that they were in a win-now mode. They weren't accumulating draft picks. They were acquiring players that are difference makers. Um, so I think I had predicted the Flyers to be somewhere in the 7th, 6th, 8th spot uh, in the East when when we did our season predictions podcast. And that was some cautious optimism. But yeah, I look at this roster on paper and I thought, I'm I'm happy with this. I think this could be a really good team. Yeah, and I you know I was there with you. I, I would say I well I had them fifth in the East because I think my optimism as always with the Flyers is not cautious in the least. I usually pick them to win the cup just out of sheer spite. I think. Um, but yeah, I like the moves as well. You know the Ryan Ellis steal I thought was a steal for the Flyers. Um, I was a little sketch. I was a little sus about the Ristolainen deal, but um, he actually hasn't been too bad in my opinion. Um, uh, the Keith Yandel signing and the Derek Broussard signing, I both really liked from a depth perspective and for how much money they cost. Uh, yeah, I just, I, I thought this was a team that was um, kind of like you said, Nick, I thought the Carter Hart situation last year, it's like if you can get at least average goaltending out of your tandem this year, um, you should be more successful than you were last year, right? I mean, they were they were getting absolutely clobbered uh from a goaltending perspective last year Hart was terrible Elliot was terrible um so you have to figure even if you get average goaltending from Hart that alone would improve the team um that's not what happened has it Nick no no and there's been a variety of factors that have contributed to their poor start through their 26 games uh they actually started off fairly hot Right, they were yeah. in a winning. They were in a winning position for for most of the start of October, and in recent weeks they went on a solid ten game losing streak. Um, since then, they've won two games, but the on ice product that we've watched in those two wins still doesn't translate to a team that we consider to be playing well. I mean, they played two not so good teams, one in the Arizona Coyotes last yeah. night. They didn't look that great. I mean, they were able to score enough goals to beat the team, but it's still um, an underwhelming product for a variety of reasons. Well, it's like if you're a team that's supposed to be a playoff team 
and you go into Arizona, like the expectation is that you just dominate the Coyotes. There's nothing there that should really scare you on that team. And I thought Philly outplayed Arizona, but I wouldn't say it was, you know, I didn't I didn't look at that game at any point and say Arizona is completely out of this. And then you go back further, like the the Golden Knights game. Uh, I can't believe the Flyers won that game. I mean, yeah, they, I, I, actually, I would say the Flyers didn't win that game. I would say Carter Hart won, and the Flyers happened to be wearing the same colored jersey he was. Um, and then something 40-something 40, 40 saves in that game. Yeah, and it was, it's nuts. Yeah. Um, apparently, I think I saw a stat that said Carter Hart is undefeated in games where he faces more than 40 shots, which, wow, um, maybe that's the plan. They should just let him get just held to yeah. yeah, Yeah, and you know... It, Good teams, really successful teams, teams that end up winning the Stanley Cup. Um, that's a far, that's way far off from the Flyers at this point. But let's say we'll say successful playoff teams. Um, they will need their goalie to stand on their head from time to time, but you cannot rely on that night in and night out, right? You have to be able to protect your goalie from from high danger shots and um, numerous shots. So, so you know they're just not. They're just not the team that they were expected to be. Yeah, and that and that kind of leads us to really the reason we're talking about the Flyers here tonight is that uh, what it's been almost exact. Well, actually, by the time I get this out on SoundCloud, uh, it will be exactly a week since uh, Elaine Vigneault and Michelle Terry and the assistant coach were fired. Uh, Mike Yao is or Mike Yao is the current interim coach. Um, they are currently uh, sixth in the wild card and six points back in the wild card. They're twelfth in the East, twenty fourth in the NHL, and currently have a seven point two percent chance at making the playoffs, which is the seventh lowest odds in the league. Um, it's not looking too hot. No, no, it's not. And you and I have discussed this multiple times, and we think that. Uh, you know, the problems with the Flyers is sort of deep at an organizational level. But some of the problems at the forefront is scoring. This team has really struggled to score this year. They're still, for what seems like the fourth year in a row, where they're relying on their 33-year-old captain to carry them offensively. Claude Giroux is a very, very good player. He's got 10 goals and 13 assists. So that's 23 points in 26 games. It's a really good uh, scoring stat for Claude Drew so far, and he's really shined, um, particularly in contrast to the other players on this team. But you cannot rely on Claude Giroux to carry this team, right? Yeah. Some of these younger players that are not so young anymore, um, that have these the, the offensive skill, really need to step up and start carrying your team um, from an offensive perspective. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, the Flyers aren't even really one of the young... They're not even close to one of the youngest teams in the league. In fact, I think they're one of the oldest teams in the league. I mean, they have... Well, their uh, off-season acquisitions kind yeah. of bump them up, but... Oh, yeah, I mean, that, yeah. It, it certainly doesn't help. But, I mean, there's... Got, like, when you look at some of the people that we've been waiting on for years to really break out and have a big season, I mean, all expectations going into the season were that Travis Konechny was going to light the world on fire. Um and you know you can keep saying he's a young player with time to grow, but I mean he's 24. We're hitting we're hitting the prime years now. Um, you know uh, I'm kind of looking. Um, what else we got here? Uh, yeah, I mean Provorov's 24, Sanheim's 25, and I mean Sanheim, I really have not been impressed. Uh, you know I think I, I saw like Sam Carcidi had like posted something comparing Shane Gossa Spears points totals to the con like I basically Shane Gossespierre has more points than Rasmus Stalin and Travis Sanheim, Keith Yandel, 
and um, uh, Nick Sealer combined. I thought it was a weird thing to compare like guys like Nick Sealer and Keith Yandel who make less than a million and are not expected really to put up Goss' spear level points. Uh, but I think the, and, and I mean, there was, there's a lot of flaws in that comparison, but I think it is fair to look at Travis Sanheim or, or, or players of that ilk, these, these prospect picks from the last couple, like few years and start asking the question, okay, like when, when's this going to happen? Like if these guys are good, why are they not good? Um, and so I guess my, my question to you, kind of how that relates to, uh, the firings that occurred. I mean, do you, do you look at some of these shortcomings and say, okay, well, it was definitely a coaching problem. And so they made the right move. Or do you feel like, you know, it doesn't matter who's coaching. It's just not a good roster. And we maybe our optimism was misguided. Yeah, that's a good question. I think we'll need to uh, watch a few more games, get some more data. I don't want to watch to see, <laughs> to see what the, the coaching transition, uh, what sort of effect that has on the overall team. Um, but, you know, at an organizational level, the Flyers have what we think to be an antiquated offensive strategy. Uh, they're an organization that doesn't really have an identity. They used to, but in the new era of hockey, they have let go of their bruiser, tough-to-play-against um, fight first mentality and have not landed on their feet um, since then. So, and they lack creativity. They lack speed, skill. They lack a goal scores. Uh, and that's a big problem organizationally. I mean, they have a lot of good players on this team, but if the the ethos is not in unison with with it has to co-align with the direction that hockey's going. It has to co-align with the players' skills mm-hmm. on the ice. Travis Konechny, a very skilled player. Sean Couturier, a very skilled player. These players are not scoring at a clip that you need to be good. Right? Yeah. You watch teams like the Colorado Avalanche. You watch teams like the Maple Leafs, the Panthers, Tampa Bay Lightning, the Carolina Hurricanes. They've got young, creative, skilled players. They've got them on offense and they've got them on defense. And the Flyers lack almost all of that. They have nobody with any real creativity. I would say that maybe Kevin Hayes and Claude Giroux are probably probably some of their more creative players, but those two guys aren't particularly quick. Yeah, I I feel like this is kind of an identity crisis the Flyers have where, you know, and I think this is something you always hear a hockey team say, especially a team like the Flyers who haven't had, haven't really tasted a lot of success in a while. Because the reality is as much as the Flyers have, you know, you go back on their history and they've, you know, made the playoffs more than most teams. They've, I think, had more cup final appearances than, I don't know, like, I, I think like three quarters of the league. Um, but in the last, oh, probably since 2014, I mean, this has not been a successful team. It's been a very average team. And I think that's because of this mindset of we're going to build a team that's tough to play against. You always hear that from people building rosters like GMs or coaches they're like what's the goal of your team the goal well our goal is to be tough to play against and the Flyers this has been their MO since they've existed really they want to be a team that's hard to play against my counter to that is you know who the hardest teams to play against are it's the teams with really good players on it so like yeah you know Rasmus Ristolainen's real tall and he hits you and it hurts real bad but like 
if I have to play one-on-one hockey against like Ryan Reeves or uh, Rasmus Ristolainen or Patrick uh, Pat McEwen or Connor McDavid, I don't want to play Connor McDavid. Like I would rather play the other three guys who, yes, like they hurt when they touch you, but Connor McDavid's going to obliterate you in hockey, which is the thing they're getting employed to win at. And so that I think what you're saying, Nick, is kind of related to this. It's like, you know, the Flyers keep drafting players who are big or have some sort of snarl to their game or, um, you know, they they work real hard. And it's like, well, OK, they're professional athletes. They all work real hard. They, the, the ones that are going to be the toughest to play against are the ones that are good um, at hockey. Um, and it's not to say that the Flyers don't have players that are good at hockey. It's just that when your best players are only good, like Travis Konechny, Sean Couturier, Claude Giroux, they're good they're good quality hockey players but if that's the best your team has to offer you're not a playoff team um and that's that's what we're faced here with philadelphia is that those are the those are the only three guys on this roster that even have positive possession metrics everybody else is getting tanked at five on five um i mean just to put that in perspective i mean the flyers as a team uh when you look at their five on five stats they are uh 29th in expected goals they're 24th in uh, I'm sorry, they are uh, 23rd in the NHL on 5-on-5 five five goals differential and then 29th in expected goals differential. They're 24th in shot differential. Um, these are not numbers of a team that's tough to play against. That sounds like To me, that sounds like a team that's very easy to play against. Um, and I think to what Nick's saying, like you have to, when you do that year in, year in and year out, you need to change the way you build your roster. And I, I don't know if they're seeing that yet or what. Yeah, and they have not, on average, they have not drafted that well. They've had a lot of high round misses. Some players they've drafted have been fine. They found a few diamonds in the rough, like Oscar Lindblom in the fifth round, but he's also not performing very well this year, too. So um, historically, the Flyers will say in the last 10 years, they've been very, very mediocre. Mediocre to the point where I think they're losing a large part of the fan base. Fans are no longer angry they're apathetic. Um, Flyers' ticket sales are hurting. Their drafting has not been that good. But let me let me focus on some more of the on ice <clears throat> results here. Their eighth overall in goals against per game, which which indicates to us that their defense by and large has somewhat stabilized compared to last year. I think they gave up the most goals last year, mm-hmm. but now they've fa- now they're facing the problem of scoring. Claude Jury was your goal is your point leader, twenty three points in twenty six games. Some of your, your key contributors or who you would expect to be your key contributors are scoring on the struggling, uh, I'm sorry, are struggling on the scoring sheet this year. Sean Couturier has 16 points in 26 games. He's on pace for 50 points. That's not a terrible scoring, but he's your first line center. I mean, you would expect him to put up more than 50 points um, in, in the season. Joel Farabee, who you just extended to a large contract, he's making about $5 million per year, has 10 points in 21 games. That's seven goals, three assists. And a lot of those are front-loaded, right? He hasn't scored that much lately. He's on pace for 39 points. Not enough points for a player who's getting paid $5 million a year. Oscar Lindblom, one of your diamonds in the rough, uh, great 200-foot player. He's on pace for seven points this year. Morgan Frost, now granted, we'll we'll say this with a caveat, Morgan Frost is a first-year player, he's very young, has actually carried play 
but he's got four points in nine games. He's on pace for 36 points. That's not a bad trend for a first-year player. Yeah, and we were saying that before the call. Like, I would I would definitely, if Morgan Frost had about that many points to end the season, I would be fine with that. Mm-hmm. You know, like, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I was saying That's there's typically three, the trend that yeah. you see unless you have a superstar, right? It's like, right, and I don't, you know, I think Morgan Frost is... Someone of the ilk that we were talking about, like, hey, you want a player that's tough to play against? Morgan Frost is tough to play against because he's good at scoring. Um, that's that's the outlook on him. Um, and yeah. he is the fourth. He's the only other guy, even though it's a small sample size, that's even even hitting average on his perce- possession metrics at five on five. So, yeah, you know, I, I would take that. But, yeah, I mean, everybody else you listed is vastly underperforming. And these aren't guys like... These are guys you're expecting to drive play and be in your top six or even in your top nine. I mean, you like Oscar Lindblom, seven points. That's not even good enough to be a fourth liner. No, uh, no, no, it's not. <laughs> I mean, you're you're paying another guy seven million dollars. Uh, JVR, yeah, he's got nine points in twenty six games, and you know you have to be patient with JVR because he's he's one of those goal scorers that scores in streaks but on average nine points through 26 games for seven million a year is not good enough no it's it's way way below good enough um they've all they've also dealt with a rash of injuries to begin the year and throughout the season so far that's definitely hurt them ryan ellis you know their major defensive acquisition in the offseason has only played a few games That, that hurts them he was essentially brought in to um take the mantle up that um, uh, gosh, I forget the guy's name. Now. Uh, Matt played, Niskanen. Uh, Matt Niskanen. Yeah. He played along and stabilized Provorov and had an excellent year. Um, last year, we saw a dip in Provorov's play, and they brought Ryan Ellis to take up that role. He's been out. Joel Farabee is now on IR. Nate Thompson, one of their depth pieces, is on IR. Wade Allison, one of their young, promising forwards, who is actually a pretty creative, pass, uh, fast, and strong kid, has been on IR, long-term IR, since the start of the season. Kevin Hayes missed a significant amount of time after getting abdominal surgery just before the season started. Kevin Hayes has looked pretty good after he came back. Um, so so those those injuries do definitely hurt them, but you can't go on a 10-game losing streak. You have to, you know... You you can just you have to be able to sustain injuries and well it's like you have to have enough organizational depth to stem the tide I mean, right exactly we, like have we not how, how many years have we talked about the Devils where it's like they start this or not the Devils the Penguins how many years have we talked about the Penguins and they'll start the season and it's like they're not playing Sidney Cros Sidney Crosby's out Malkin's out Latang's out and then it's like they'll have you know some guy named Teddy Bluger pull him up stick him on Crosby's line and he scores. 60 points that year. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just like they'll they'll like find people in the bushes and put them on the lineups and there's they've been a playoff team year in and year out and it's like the Flyers are missing, yes, like Kevin Hayes missing time hurt. Um Ryan Ellis has only played 4 games. I mean, you you've listed them. But that should if you're a good hockey team, that should not crater you. You should be able to like stem the tide until these guys come back. Um, and that's just not happened. Like, and that, I feel like that tells you everything you need to know about this roster that it's, it's just as, as much as Chuck Fletcher and Elaine Vigneault while he was here and even us felt like this was a win now roster. If your roster is so fragile that a couple injuries just craters your season, I don't know if it's a very good roster then. I don't know if it's a very good organizational depth. And you look at the Lehigh Valley Phantoms roster and it's, 
I mean, who do you call up? There's really nothing there either right now. I mean, uh, Cam York's hurt. Um, or no, I'm sorry, he was in COVID protocol. And I, honestly, he was kind of struggling this year anyways. Wade Allison, like you said, just came back. Um, like Igor Zimbabwe is not ready. There's just nothing there. I mean, the they're, the the Phantoms' two top scorers are Garrett Wilson, and Gerald Mayhew, are 30 and 28 years old respectively. These aren't really prospects. So your top five prospect pool that that the Phantoms have kind of boasted the last five years, they're here. Yeah, those prospects are here. Joel Farabee, Travis Konechny, Ivan Provorov, Oscar Lindblom, um, and, and a few other guys. They're here. I mean, this is it. Yeah. Right. So. Like, well, so here's the question, right? We're only just beyond the 25% mark for the season, right? So Chuck Fletcher has kind of been – the Chuck Fletcher, the, G, the GM of the Flyers, has been vocal about giving some patience to the situation. Right. Um, you know, coaching changes – and I was you know, I was thinking about the coaching change. Like, you know, Aline Vigneault had a great track record before he came into the Flyers. I mean, well, even with the, the Flyers, he had one of the highest winning percentages among Flyers coaches. Yeah, um, and I, I wonder if I wonder if uh, systematically, if a coach, you know, you believe in your system, you preach your system, you teach it every day. I wonder if it's how difficult it is to just flip that switch and completely transition to something else. Because if you look at their offense, the Flyers are still a. Um, Skate across the blue line with two guys. Uh, half the time they lose the puck. Half the time they dump it in. They don't have a good enough forecheck to retrieve the dumped in pucks. They play the cycle game. It, it's it's an antiquated offensive strategy. They have no creativity in the offensive yeah. zone. They have no young players that can buy time and wait for the rest of the team. You know, they just they just. You watch Kel McCarr. He finds a way in the offensive zone, and he just buys those. It, those five to, to seven extra seconds in the offensive zone. And then you've got you've got Nathan McKinnon and Gabe Landeskog in the offensive zone, and it's basically lights out. So um, they, they don't have that. It's a, it's a really, you know, it's they, they play like a 2-1-2 two, two rush up the ice. It's so ineffective. I mean, they just they just have nothing once they get across the blue line. Well, I, and I suspected this last year. I always felt like the reason for the Flyers' scoring woes in the last two to three years was primarily due to the fact that the defense was so bad that the forwards had to pinch back further in order to save their bacon, essentially. And so, you know, as a team, you can end up preventing goals from being scored that way if you have four or five guys in your own zone constantly. But on the flip side, the the thing that hurts you is that the only time you're probably going to get any good scoring chances is if, you know, you force a um, major error that leads to an odd man rush the other way. And it's like, that's, you can't rely on just doing that. You need more. Um, the Flyers, like, don't seem to, like, again, I don't know if it's a creativity thing or if it's a coaching strategy thing or if they're trying to still bail out their defense, but... It definitely seems like the forward group really has a hard time getting from the neutral zone to the offensive zone with any sort of momentum or possession whatsoever. It's just kind of like, all right, well, let's get it in there and maybe we can get a new line in there or something like that. It, it I feel like if you don't watch the Flyers a lot and you didn't know any of these players and you put on a game, it would be very difficult to tell the difference between the fourth line and the first line because they seem to play the same style. It's 
okay, just get it in there and we'll see what we can do. And then every once in a while, you'll see like a Travis Konechny make a pass to like Claude Drew or, or, or someone. And it'll be like, wow, that was the most creative thing I've seen in 25 minutes. Wow. Okay. And it's like two passes. Yeah. Um, so it, it, that's, I think that's the thing. It's like, are they struggling to score because the defensemen can't get the forwards the puck? Is it because the defensemen are bad and the forwards have to bail them out? Or are we just ignoring the obvious here, which is that maybe the forwards just aren't as good as we think they are? Yeah, yeah. And one of the other things that they, what we've criticized them for is failing to shoot when the opportunity arises. Now, as funny as that sounds, you know, if, you, if you've watched Flyers games, the fans are notorious for yelling at the players to shoot because Flyers historically just they don't want to shoot. We've seen them time and time again make I just one think Flyers fans get bored. We, we've seen them time and time again make one too many passes when the opportunity to shoot arose. And it, it actually has been a breath of fresh air to have Cam Atkinson on this roster because that guy will just shoot from anywhere. But you and I were watching the Flyers game last night where Travis Sandheim got the puck in the offensive zone. He was at the top of the red circle, had about eight feet to skate, could have probably taken a shot from from just inside the circle. And he didn't, decided to to hold on to it, look for a pass, ended up losing the puck, and it came out of the zone. So um, in that particular circumstance, no, there wasn't a player in front of the goalie to screen them, but good players shoot past the goalie sometimes without, without a screen. I mean... You watch Alex Kovechkin. The guy's got 20 goals this year. He doesn't care if there's a player screening the goalie or not. He'll shoot. He'll shoot and score. Right. He'll just win. Beat the goalie one on one. Well, this this is also a difference in like philosophy where I think the Flyers as and this is anecdotal, but it does feel a lot of times like when you're watching, they are trying to set up the perfect play, mm-hmm. and you just like that's not you can't rely on that. I mean, in the situation we're talking about where Sandheim's got open space and he goes for the pass to the outside like number one he passes into traffic like the defenders had given him the lane i mean not intentionally they were out of position but he passed into traffic in order to not take the shot straight on that wasn't screened but the thing is like he's he's square with the goalie so i understand maybe he's thinking that's not a good shooting opportunity but if you keep the shot low they're more likely than not, he's going to get enough on it to where that puck's going to deflect going to and rebound it, somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And this is this is the biggest problem with the Flyers when they're trying to just make the perfect play. They ignore the fact that sometimes if you just do something, like if you just shoot, you start to create havoc. Like get a puck on net and get a, and force a rebound. Because you know what? If Sandheim took that shot and it goes and the and the goalie um, uh, Vigelmica fell. Belgium? Okay. Oh, I'm not yeah. even going to try it. If Danny were here, he could pronounce it. But, um, you know, if they hit it off of him and he deflects it to the left or the right, both of his wingers are in position to grab that rebound and maybe put that in. Like, I don't think they do a very good job of creating havoc anymore. I mean, how frequently do you see a guy... I, I can't think of a player since Wayne Simmons who has actually been a net front presence that strikes fear into other teams. Like they, I know they've tried JVR at the bumper sometimes when they tried Nolan Patrick, tried Nolan Patrick, Patrick. but it's like, these aren't guys who are really fit for it. Um, I can't, none of the, I, I, it feels like no one on the forward group. It's just, they all want to take shots, but there's no urgency to just create anarchy. And that's kind of how a lot of goals are scored in the NHL. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's um, well, and you know, we, we're not trying to say that they should just be shooting from anywhere. This reminds me. Well, the, the, I'll, I'll tie this into coaching shots. But they got to take more shots. I mean, again, their shot differential is yeah near like if not the worst, it's near the worst in the league. You want to you want a you want a healthy balance of high highly distributed shots and as well as patience. I mean, you do want to have patience, but this. Going to coach strategy, this reminds me of Hurricanes in Rod Brindamore's first year. They were shooting from anywhere, and they just weren't winning games. Yeah. And I think what was most impressive about that is Rod Brindamore, I think, sat down with his coaching staff and said, this is not working. We need to make a dramatic change. And they went to a more contemporary, more sophisticated offensive style uh, strategy for hockey and that team turned around really quickly in the middle of the season. Now, I, I say that was impressive because these coaches, they believe in their strategy. They preach it every day. They've worked on it. It's worked before. To to turn on a dime and transition in season immediately, that's very, very impressive. We saw the Hurricanes do it. It's one of the reasons why we thought that Rob Redmore was did such a great job and has done such a great job with that organization the past couple of years. Just haven't seen that kind of transition from the Flyers. It seems even year after year after year in the off seasons, they just continue to to, to do the same thing. So, yeah, and, and I think this leads to a bigger question, which is probably on other uh, Flyers fans' minds, which is, you know, who's the next coach? You know, or, or do you think Mike Yo is the guy to go into that room and say, we need to play hockey differently uh, in the way that Rob Brindamore did that in Carolina? Because clearly they didn't think it was Elaine Vigneault who was going to do that. So, I mean, what do you think? I mean, it, do you think Mike Yo's that guy? Do you think that guy exists or, or what? I don't know. And, you know, Mike Yo's been in the NHL for a long time. He's got head coaching experience. I think the Flyers might be a little gun shy on hiring a younger coach, for example, someone out of college hockey because of the Dave Haxtell situation. You know, they, they pulled Dave Haxtell from North Dakota and that didn't work out. You know, um, Haxtell was really highly heralded as, as an offensive minded coach, uh, new age hockey kind of guy when they brought him in. That's you know, they wanted a new creative mind yeah. behind the bench. And then we and, found out but, it was Dave Haxtell. Well, <laughs> And well, yeah, that that is a different that's a different era. And we lost. And one jury Latera later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I think they're probably a little gun shy doing that. Um, they don't really have anyone in their pipeline, coaching wise. That you know, this is a difficult decision. I think I think Chuck Fletcher will be patient, probably through to the fifty percent mark. That still gives him about a month uh, ahead of the trade deadline in February. Um, but you know, if the Flyers continue to trend downward and fall out of a playoff spot, as unfortunate as it is, I think Claude Giroux is likely to, to go. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's time. I think some of the other players, if you can move the contracts, then then you move them. Yeah. Um, and 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 you know, I'm not a NHL GM. I don't know the intricacies of a full-fledged rebuild. It's very complicated. We could learn it quickly. You have though. to be patient. I, I know no one's going to want to be patient. So, But if they continue trending up, and, and, and maybe we see this temporary coaching change have an effect, we'll see. I mean, that remains to be seen. They've, they've got 20 games to figure it out. 
at this point before they get to the halfway mark. Yeah, well, this is the interesting thing with the Flyers is that, again, I mean, their playoff percent, their chances at the playoffs are extremely slim right now. Um, with that said, I mean, and they are 12th in the East, 24th in the league, but they are only six points out of the wild card. You know, we were talking about this the other night, how the Flyers are bad. But there's also a lot of teams that are abnormally bad for this early in the season. Um, you know, even if the Flyers, if the season ends now, it's not like the Flyers even have some legitimate shot at getting a high draft pick. I mean, they could still be drafting like 12th, um, which conversely means, you know, as bad as they've been, you know, there's actually still some reason to potentially still make a playoff push. I mean... Like there's if if you have a lot of teams bottoming out, I mean that just means there's more opportunity. Um, I think Chuck's got a a tough decision to make because yes, I I think we both agree that you have to wait a little bit and see if the ship starts to right itself with a new voice in the locker room. Um, but the thing is, I don't think you can just wait to the trade deadline for that because if you get like if you're if you're thinking this team's a playoff team and you're going to give it to the deadline um they're going to need more help like you got to start doing things i think if you truly believe this is a win now season for the flyers i feel like you need to start making those changes now um rather than waiting two to three months from now and then saying oh shit we've got to like upgrade this roster so I feel like Chuck's got this delicate balance here where he has to determine what this team is. Because if he if you if you're like, yeah, you know what, we're just gonna wait till the deadline and then we're gonna do all of our rebuilding moves at the deadline, sure, knock yourself out. But if you're if your team's running five hundred and you want them to make the playoffs, but you don't make a move until the deadline, that's pretty risky. Um so I you know, I think it's I think it's tough. You know, personally, I feel like the Flyers are probably, I, I think it's probably time to start rebuilding. Um, I think you look at the prospects of the next few years, and it just doesn't look so great. Um, you know, Drew's only going to get older. He's a UFA this summer. Um, the cap situation is going to look brutal. Um, you know, I, I think if I were in Chuck's shoes, I would. I probably wouldn't touch this roster to the deadline and just start dumping salary and dumping players at the deadline. Like, I would. I would move Giroux, um, and I would retain salary to get something back. Um, I, I. I have four guys that I wouldn't touch, um, or I wouldn't offer in trades. Carter Hart, who's actually been very good this year. Um, Ivan Provorov, even though I don't think he's been as good as we hoped he would be. I still think it's very difficult to find good defensemen, and he is a good defenseman. Um, Joel Farabee, who they've locked in uh, long-term and I think is a solid forward. Um, and Morgan Frost, who I think we still just don't know yet. We don't know enough about him to, to make a move or not. So, you know, otherwise, I don't know. I, I think it's time. You know, I, I've been watching – we've been watching the Flyers be a 500 team for 10 years. It's tiring. Like, I'm tired. It is exhausting. Like, I, I kind of am at the point where I'm like, just do something even if it's wrong. And in this case, I'm like, just... Like, I would almost rather watch an absolutely terrible hockey team than have them hire John Tortorella so that they can have the eighth seed in the playoffs and go out at the first round. How many points 
within a playoff spot do the Flyers have to get to by the trade dead deadline for you to say, let's keep this roster intact? Well, you know, actually, to keep I mean, it... I there's six out. Right? I think I mean, there's a difference between keeping it intact and doing something drastic one way or another. Right. Like, right. yeah, I, I think to me, I don't think there's a lot of risk in keeping the roster intact to the deadline because they're either going to figure it out or they're not. At this point, mm-hmm. it, like the roster is what it is. They don't have a lot of cap space. Um, if they're within, I mean, if they're still within six points of a playoff spot by the trade deadline, I mean, yeah, okay. But I mean, what's that going to net you? You know, um, I think I think if you're, I think if you're, I guess I'm sorry. Your question was what, how close do they have to be to the playoffs for them to keep the roster together after the deadline? Yeah, keep Giroux. Yeah. Um, no, I mean three to four points at most, and even then, I'm still like, I don't know because mm-hmm. what are you, you're going to get the eighth seed, and you, yes, you could you could make an eighth seed and the playoffs and you can say, well, anything can happen. Like we could be the St. Louis blues and start in last place and win the cup. But how often does that actually happen? Very, very like the odds are not in your favor and it's not worth mortgaging another three to four years so that you can maybe win a couple rounds in the playoffs. Like that's just not, we talk about the flyers having this winning culture. That's not winning culture. Mm -hmm. That's like saving season ticket holders. That's all that is. Claude Giroux's uh, face-off percentage is 60.8. It's pretty good. Yeah, I feel like he always ranges around like 58 to 60. It's pretty good. He's a, I mean, he's a really good hockey player. It's just, you know... And I'm sure there are Flyer fans who would hate to hear this, but it's like he's not hes not Sidney Crosby. Well, he was never Sidney Crosby. <laughs> I mean, he might have been in like 2013. Like, if you surround him with, with the right... To, I mean, when you had him on a team with Yarmir Yager... And, I mean, and Cla- Borchick, Claude yeah. Giroux is my all-time favorite NHL player. I mean, I love watching Claude Giroux. Excellent player, but... Uh, 33-year-old Claude Giroux cannot be your best player. He just can't. They lack, they, lack, they lack killer instinct. They lack scoring. They lack speed. They lack creativity. So, yeah. Are you rebuilding this where thing? Do we because it doesn't, look, it doesn't look that promising. Where do we go? Yeah, where do we go next? Um, That's the thing. It's just like... Do you want to, do you, like, how long do you want this downward spiral to go? Because it's been about 10 years. Do we want another 10? If we want another 10, then let's keep doing what we're doing over and over again. But if you really want to change something here, then, like, you got to, you got to take some hits, like some hits on the chin. Another thing that we didn't talk about that I wanted to mention is that the, acquisitions that they made in the offseason, some of their depth pieces that you and I really, really liked, Keith Yandel and Derek Broussard. Now, Derek Broussard's your fifth leading scorer. Actually, I think Derek Broussard's had a good season. I know people haven't been super big on him, but I think he's had to fill a huge role uh, and that he was not really brought in here to do. Like, no one brought him in to be a second-line center. And Keith Yandel's really struggled this year so far. So, Well, I think that's because Keith Yandel's a power play quarterback and... The power play sucks. So, <laughs> well, like, well, now Michelle Terrian is fired, right? He was running the power play. Yeah. We, they did score two power play goals in that Vegas Golden Knights game. Could that was be the only reason they won. Could that be, game, could, could be luck. So, we will, um, yeah, we'll have to keep an eye on their power play. We'll have to keep an eye on their 5 1 5. If we don't see many changes happening, 
I'm not sure bringing in another new face this year is going to solve a lot of problems. Yeah. I think I think the only moves you can make if you're trying to win now, it's got to be it's got to be like changing um uh what's it called? You got to change the roster somehow. Like you need to get a different element on this team. Um yeah. And I feel like if you try to do something like that, you have to do it before the deadline because you need you need time to integrate it. Um, the problem is there's just not much really available. I, I, you know, I don't know where they would go to find a new element or, or what team you would deal with to get that. Um, I guess you could maybe talk to some of the other teams that are facing the struggles the Flyers are facing, like the Canucks. Um, you know, the Canucks are looking for defensive depth. Um, they have some forward depth that might be interesting for Philadelphia, but, um, you know, the other problem too is Chuck Fletcher doesn't really do a lot of business with a lot of different teams. I mean, he does a lot of business with the Predators. Um, I think he's done some business with the Oilers, um, the Sabers. But I mean, I you know I don't know if there's anything there right now um, that they could pursue. So you know, again, the, like I think a lot of Flyers fans want the Flyers to do something. I want them to do something because. It's very boring to watch them just lose and do nothing, but their options are really limited too. Yeah. Yeah. I feel the same way about the Eagles too. I feel like <laughs> just, um I feel about that's like Philadelphia sports really in a nutshell. The Sixers. It's like Ben Simmons just sitting on a bench waiting to be traded. Yeah. You know. I don't know. Once but, the Eagles got that Super Bowl, man, I was like, I could this is Whatever, That's it. I don't care anymore. But like, I, I, I know what you mean. Like, I remember in 2008 when the Phillies won the World Series, and I was like, "Wow!" Like, I guess Philadelphia isn't cursed. And then the Phillies were terrible. I feel like the Phillies got away with being awful again for really up until a few years ago, and then finally everybody was like, "Okay, we would like we would like you guys to maybe like win a little bit." Um. The Eagles was the big one because I think Philadelphia is definitely an Eagles first city. Um, but, you know, for me, like, you know, being a Flyers fan my whole life, it's, yeah. like that's the one I'm, I'm sitting on and waiting. And it was so hard, too, because, I mean, I started watching when I was like six years old. So like 95 and from like 95 until 2005 that the Flyers were obnoxiously good. I mean, every year, every they, year? Got, they got yeah. picked to win the cup every year. They were all in all the time, right? Yeah, it was great. It was fun to be a Flyers fan. And then it was, they had the really, really awful season in, I think it was 05, 06. Um, and then Paul Holmgren came in, made a ton of changes, brought in a new captain, brought in a new goalie, uh, you know, changed everything, traded Forsberg, brought in Hartnell and Tiemannan uh, and stuff like that. Like, and from, like, I think 07 until 2012, that team was really fun and exciting and good and trajectory, like, moving in the right direction. You had young guys like Mike Richards and Jeff Carter. And then they didn't re-sign Yarmir Yager. And then Chris Pronger has his career-ending injury. And then you trade JVR for Luke Shen. And then Ilya Bruzgalov gets signed for a gajillion, bajillion dollars. Um, you get rid of Sergei Bobrovsky, who wins two Vesnas on another team. And... Since then, it's just like from 2013 until really ever since Claude Giroux was on NHL 13's uh, game cover. You know, the team's been lackluster, I think is the nicest way to put it. Like, I, I think we get thrilled if they win a round of hockey in the playoffs. And 
that's just not really what being a Flyers fan has historically been. Um, so yeah, I, I, I just, I, I personally feel like it's time to just blow this up. Cause even if they have a second half run, I still think I've seen enough to know this team is just flawed and the only way to fix it is to gut it. Yep. Well, we're going to find out. Well, I mean, again, it's like, I think a good metaphor would be like if we're, you want to make a car go faster and the flyers are just putting different paint on the car. And it's like, no, no, no. Like you need to put nice, like faster tires. You need to upgrade the engine. You need to upgrade the frame. It's like, you gotta, you gotta do the things that actually make a car go faster. You can't just, you know, put those little dice, like fuzzy dice on the mirror and say, ah, that's different. (laughs) It's a different car now. Like that, that's the problem. We're just, we're, we're putting lipstick on a pig every year. Um, and it's, it's just like Chuck Fletcher actually said it best. You're insane to, to do the same thing year after year and expect a different result. And so Chuck Fletcher made a bunch of moves in the off season, but when you look at them at high level, you realize these are the same types of moves and acquiring the same types of players that the Flyers have been acquiring for decades. Um, and at the end of the day, Chuck's right. If you do the same thing over and over again and expect a different result, you're crazy. Um, so we're all crazy. Yeah, we are all crazy yeah. for watching this team. Um, I guess like just to close it out, um, there are there were names coaching rumor names in the mill. So I'm going to throw these at you. I'm going to get your gut reaction. Uh, Rick Tockett. Rick Tockett. Rhymes with that, Tockett. That's just like, that's a Flyers, all, you know, all-time Flyers player. They would hire someone they, like Rick Tockett. Everybody wanted to hire Rick Tockett for this job. Like everybody wanted it. The Flyers are an organization that will hire anybody that has played for them. Yeah. I, you know, I liked, I, I didn't like what Tockett did in Tampa. I liked him as an assistant in Pittsburgh. I was very kind of, uh, with his Arizona stint. I guess it's like, well, your roster sucked. So I guess you did the, mo- I mean, they're way worse without him than they were with him. So I think he's, excuse me. I think he's a good hockey mind. I just, I don't know if he's the fit. Which X flyers player would you bring in if you had to bring in an X flyers player? And, and they were all available to coach this team. Uh, see, I have an easy out for this one. Jim Montgomery. Okay. The former stars coach who's the assistant in St. Louis, uh, you know, before his personal issues was an outstanding coach in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Philadelphia, I think at one point wanted him for a job mm-hmm. with the flyers. And I think he ended up going with Dallas, but, uh, that's, I mean, that's the guy kind of guy you would want if you had to, I mean, if you had to pick a flyers alum, but really if you had, I mean, if we're looking at coaching candidates for the flyers, I would think Jim Montgomery's on that list. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Tockett, I could, I could take one way or another. Um, John Tortorella though. That's the, that's the one that polarizes the, 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 yeah, the polarizes contentious one. Yeah. I have a, I have a standing rule with my dad and we've had, it's funny. We've had this rule for 12 years, like since 2010, uh, we have never liked John, Tor- neither of us have liked John Tortorella and, 
we both have had like a suicide pact of like if John Tortorella ever coached the Flyers, we would stop watching the Flyers until he was done coaching them. Mm. And I texted him this week. I was like, Dad, is it still on? I keep hearing rumors about John Tortorella. Are we still are we going to move on? He's like, yeah. So if they if the Flyers uh, know what's best, they won't alienate the Ali family. Fan, yeah. yeah. Oh boy. Um, yeah, I think those were the two big names that came out. Would you have liked to have seen Bruce Boudreau if Vancouver didn't swipe him? I would have loved that. I could have seen it. I mean, I, uh, you know, I wasn't pining for Bruce Boudreau, but I think good coach, right? Had a great uh, stint in Minnesota. I think he did a good job up there. Who was like the last Flyers coach that made you feel wow? Like, what I liked Peter Laviolette. Yeah. Me too. Because he was a tough son of a bee. Yeah. Right? And Flyers haven't really done a damn thing since he was with them. Right? I mean, like, they really haven't. So, yeah. Um, but he was a tough dude. And he was, you know, there's all those, like, videos of him punching players and yelling and stuff like that. But he, he knew how to, to rile him up and get him ready to play. And, um, you know, by all, by all means, good coach. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, since Peter Laviolette, you've had Craig Berube. Dave Haxtall, Scott Gordon is an interim, Elaine Vigneault, Mike Yo. I think Peter, I mean, honestly, I still felt like Peter Laviolette probably could still be coaching this team. And has Peter Laviolette had any recent success? Like, how's he doing these days? Uh, go to D.C. and ask him. <laughs> Washington, um, he's the coach of the Washington Capitals, who are currently yeah. in first place. And before that, so. he had amazing success with the Predators, took him to the Cup. Yep. 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 So, actually, I think... I think the Capitals might be the only team since he won the Cup with Carolina that he's coached and not subsequently taken to a Stanley Cup final. Because he took Carolina, obviously, they won. He took Philly, they lost. He took Nashville, and now he's in Washington. I know he coached the Islanders, I think, before Carolina and mm-hmm. didn't go anywhere. But he was also very early in his coaching career. So, right. um, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy when I think back and I look at this list of coaches the Flyers have had. And they've certainly had some duds, but... Man, it really has been a decade of meh. A decade, yeah. I would say since 2011, 12, even. That was the last time I felt alive, Nick. <laughs> it's been, yeah, about, yeah, about 10 years. and We thought we thought they were out of it with the Vigneault hire. And, but, um, yeah, I liked it. Yeah, I, I liked it too. And it looked great two years ago. I mean, they were... They played really, really well. Yeah, I still, I, I mean, I still, and I think everything we've said on this this episode, I don't think Elaine was necessarily the problem. I know there was a rumor that I think has been fairly confirmed that he, the players and him were at odds at the end of last season, and I think there was some hope that some success this year would fix that, um, and it apparently did not, uh, from all accounts. So, yeah, you know, you can be the best coach. I mean, Bill Barber was one of the best coaches in Flyers history. But at the end of the day, he got fired because he lost his team. And, I mean, if you lose your team, you lose your job. That's just the reality. So, um, but all that to say, I still don't know if Elaine was really outside of that necessarily the problem. Um, I think to fix I think to make this team successful, you would have needed a Bruce Boudreaux-type coach, one of those guys who comes in and is able to fix a team or is like just a generational coach like that. And there's just, there's no generational coaches sitting out there unless you are still really optimistic about Mike Babcock, which I am very much not. 
Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, okay, let's let's close it out, Nick. Do um, you think the Flyers make the playoffs? Do you think they figure it out, or do you think it's it's cooked? You know, I was cautiously optimistic about the Flyers coming into the season. I'm going to be cautiously pessimistic, despite everything that has transpired. I'm going to say, no, unfortunately, the Flyers, I don't think, will make the playoffs. But, man, would I like to see them turn around? What do you think? You know, I think it's going to be a really exciting trade deadline. (laughs) Uh, So that's a no from Mike. Or not necessarily. I said, yeah, 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 okay. No, uh, yeah, I'm with you. I just... What do you, what do you what do you fucking say about this team anymore? I I, I don't know. I just I got nothing. I I don't think they make the playoffs. I just even if they do make the playoffs, I don't think it's better than a, a eighth or sixth. And of course, like the year that we're saying they're not going to make the playoffs, they're going to win the cup and come back or some crap. But no, I just I think this is the end of an era. Yeah, and it's funny because you know we're not angry anymore anger has long since subsided and been it's been whittled down by years of oh man i hate they infuriate me uh they don't anger me anymore because i don't expect you know i watch the product and i say i've been watching this for 10 years i mean i you know so um i think they anger me because i'm like this is the most boring form of hockey i've ever seen they can't be they definitely are yeah it's, a it's, it's it, like it's a it, well, it's like a uh, carbon monoxide poisoning. Yes, it's it just perfect. kind of lulls you to sleep. You start to feel warm, and then you don't. Then you start to not feel anything, and before you know it, you're done. I guess, <laughs> like I feel like sitting down in a chair and spending two hours to watch a hockey game that involves the Flyers. It hurt. Like it the might idea not be worth it. hurts. It might not be worth it. You have to question whether or not these yeah. days that it, if it's worth it. Like if you, yeah, I, I feel like I burn calories watching. It's that hard. So, do you want to do a couple trivia questions? Yes. To close yeah, it out. I know was, you're you're you're. Yeah, I haven't been studying, but I do remember that we were going to uh, start instituting this as a tradition of getting back at me for giving you guys impossible trivia questions. Well, this is going to be flyers trivia. Oh God! So you, you'll be you'll be. I'll have a chance. <clears throat> yes. Which of these four players did not serve as a captain for the Flyers? Mark Recchi, Eric Lindros, Dave Poulin, or Ed Van Imp? Okay. Well, I can rule out two of them because Lindros and Poulin were both captains. So we're down to Mark Recchi and Ed Van Imp. Oh fuck me! Because um, Ed Van Imp was a '70s player. Um, I will say. Uh, Full captain, not, uh, not an alternate. Yeah, yeah you're talking, yeah, no, I know. Yeah. Um, I mean, Mark Recchi was always an assistant captain, at least in the 2000s. But was he ever an interim captain is the question for me. And the same goes for Ed Van Amp because he played with Bobby Clark. So it's like, you got to think he probably was, his, his chances of being a captain were slim because Bobby Clark was the captain for so long. Um... I'm going to say, man, Recky or Imp. That's a good one. That's tough. Um, I 
It's a lot of silence for a podcast. I'm going to say I got I got to go with something here, right? Um Oh man, this is hard. Uh I Ed Van Amp. Ed Van Amp was the one who wasn't a captain, but I think he was. No, I'm going to go Mark Recchi. Mark Recchi wasn't the one. He wasn't a captain. Mark Recchi's my answer. The answer is Mark Recchi. He yes! has he had been given the A or the assistant captaincy position during his career with the Flyers, but never the full C. Dave Pullen was a captain from 1984 to 1990. Eric Lindros served as captain from 1994 until 2000. And Ed Van Imp was captain for the Orange and Black from 1968 until 1973 when he gave it up to Bobby Clark. Yep. That's what I was like, shit. He was probably before Clark if he was. Because Clark retired in the early 80s. So, I mean, he he retired after him. So, um, yeah, I I did remember. Because Keith Primo was captain. Who was captain after Lindros? Or did it go straight to Primo? I don't remember. What's your next one? <laughs> okay, we'll, cl- we'll close it off with a more contemporary trivia question. Uh, who on the current Flyers roster is the youngest player and who is the oldest player? And you get bonus points for the years that they were born. Oh, Jesus. Um, I think the oldest player on the Flyers is Nate Thompson. Am I correct in that one, at least? I mean, I know he's not the youngest, so. <laughs> on the active roster, correct? On the active roster, but I think I don't see him on this list because maybe he's on LTIR. Oh. Uh, uh, is he older than he He should be on this list, but I don't see him. He's not currently on this list, so you can get another free guess. Nate Thompson excluded <laughs> Uh, okay. Um, mm, uh, well, I mean, Drew's 33 going on 34. Um, I mean, they have, I think they have like 12 guys who are over 30. Um, Cam Atkinson's around the same age. Um, Kevin Hayes is no. By the way, Nick Thompson's not on this list, but you would have been correct. He is 37. On this list that I have here. Who, I guess who's the second oldest then? Yeah, who's the second? <laughs> Even harder. Um, yeah, I, I, I'll go with... Um, who did I Who did I say? I, I had Ellis and Drew. And, I'm going to go with Cam Atkinson. Cam Atkinson is the sixth oldest okay. player. Okay. Um, well, who's the second oldest then? You can give me that one, and then we can go to the young guys. Okay, Keith Yandel is the oh, with the of exclusion of Nate Thompson yeah. is the second oldest. Well, player. I still get, I still get. You, point, you do get I points get for because the oldest Nate player Thompson. is Nate Thompson. Yeah, it is true. It is true. Okay, uh, Keith but, Yandel was born in 1986. So, who is the youngest player on the Flyers' active roster? Ooh, okay. Um, I mean, Carter Hart's near the youngest because well, he's like probably 22. Um, let's, okay, let's, actually, I'm going to do this, this time, the intelligent way. I'm going to go through the lineup. So I've got, we've got Nick Sealer. No, he's not one of the youngest. Um, Justin Braun is hundred percent not one of the youngest, although he would have been a good pick for one of the oldest. Uh, Yandel, no. Um, Provorov, no. Uh, Sanheim, no. Uh, who else is left on defense? Ryan Ellis, definitely no. Um... And then if we go to the forwards, I mean, you've got a few 23-year-olds. 
Morgan Frost is 23. I don't... I'm trying to think. I, I think it's got to be Carter Hart. Your final guess? Yeah, it's my final guess. Carter Hart is the second youngest Ugh. player. He is 23 years old. The youngest player is Morgan Frost. Mm. Born in 1999. But he's 23 too, right? He's 22. May May of 99. Mm. I'll have to check that's, a tough, that's a tough question. That, but. Okay. That was a good one. You got any more for me? Now more. more. I could. Okay. Okay. Give me, I, let's, give me let's one do more. It. Let's give do me one it. more. Let's do it. I'm going to find a good one. Preferably one I can get right. Okay. I will try to vet these This questions. would have been a better Flyers episode if we just did trivia. We just thought about the good times. Okay. Let's, uh, this one might be tough. Which forward on the Broad Street Bullies was nicknamed Big Bird? Oh, fuck. Was it Don Seleski, Orist Kindrachuk, Terry Crisp? Or Ross Lonsberry. My dad's gonna kill me. I'm not gonna get this right. This uh, is a this is a tough one. Um, I think it's either Don Seleski or Kinderchuck. Can you tell me if it's one of those two? It is one of those two. Okay, then I think it's Don Seleski. It is Don Seleski. Okay. Don Big Bird Seleski played right wing for the Philadelphia Flyers. Seleski was tall, and with his <laughs> wild hairstyle, he looked like a big bird on the ice. Seleski performed well during the 1974 Stanley Cup playoffs, scoring two goals and adding seven assists. Oh, this one's fun. Who was the only Pennsylvania native on the Philadelphia Flyers? Oh, God. It's also super hard. Yeah, I was going to say, I'll never get this one. It Uh, is a player that has played on the Flyers in the last 10 years. It is a bottom sixer. That was obvious. It. He did get knocked out cold on the ice one time. Lucky him. Jeez. Uh, I, I, he played for the Flyers left and came back. You've probably long since blocked this player out of your mind. Probably. Um, was he a forward or a defenseman? He was a forward. That doesn't help me. But. <laughs> um, knocked out cold. This is really hard. Last 10 years. Because think of all like the Pencil. fourth liners that they cycled through. I know. Oh, Jesus. Um God, I can't even. I'll say he's got. Here's here's a here's a hint that might get you. Uh, he's got initials for his name instead of what we would say a name like Mike. We would say M, right? So he's got initials for his name. You're not thinking of R. J. Umberger, are you? It is R. J. Umberger. Ah, you're really underselling R. J. <laughs> his first stint with the Flyers, he was a top sixer. Right, but, but it, yeah, when he, he came bum. back, yeah, he was, he was, he he was part of that Laterra. Well, he was the hard no for Umberger deal. Oh. Yeah, good time. He huh? was slow. He was really slow. Yeah. He was in that group of guys with um, Evgeny Medvedev, yeah. who they brought in for a, a year. <laughs> uh, they brought in... Who was there? Was a guy that scored the first goal for the Flyers. Oh, I know Bo- Boyd Gordon. Boyd Gordon. Boyd fucking Gordon. It was probably the 2018 season, I think. Yeah. And he scored the first goal, and you're like, "Wow, Boyd Gordon!" And I don't think he had another goal that season. No, he's um, a, well. He was a faceoff specialist who went on a a tear with Edmonton for about ten games the season prior, and for some reason, Hextall was like. We need him to take face-offs for us. And we're like, is that really the problem here? 
Here's another uh, question that is right up your alley in terms of Flyers history. Which player was not a part of the 1992 trade that brought Eric Lindros to the Ooh, team? I like this one. Which player was not a part of this trade? The options are Ron Hextall, Michael Renberg, Peter Forsberg, and Chris Simon. Well, Michael Renberg wasn't a part of that. Michael Renberg was not a part of that. The Flyers sent Peter Forsberg, Ron Hextall, Steve Duchesne, Mike Ricci, Ricci. Kerry Huffman, Chris Simon, a 1993 first-round draft pick, a 1994 first-round draft pick, and money to which team? Huh? Oh, the Quebec Nordiques. The Quebec Nordiques for Eric Lindros. That is a haul. Yeah, actually, the, the, the better the question would have been how many pieces <laughs> of that trade I could have named, because I can usually get most of them. My gosh. But yeah, Hextall went to Quebec and then went to New York, the Islanders, and then came back to Philly. Um, Chris Simon, um, where was he bit? I think he played a lot in Buffalo, and then I think he got kicked out of the league for, like, trying to decapitate someone with a stick. Um, Mike Ricci was actually a first-round pick of the Flyers who was supposed to do a lot of... He he was a high prospect. Um, and, you know, he, he ended up having a good career, uh, but he wasn't a great player. He, he would fit this He would fit this team incredibly well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve Duchesne was solid. Um, yeah, I, they gave up a lot for Eric Lundgren. I mean, Peter Forsberg alone. Um It'd be you'd be hard for us to find a lot of teams who would have done that one for one in general um, yeah. with the way both their careers panned out. But um, yeah, no, Michael Remberg was actually a part of the Legion of Doom, so it would have been hard for him to have been involved in the trade, especially since I don't think he was in the league yet because mm-hmm. I believe his Legion of Doom year was his rookie year. And fun fact, Michael Remberg was also like my favorite I, yeah, I know player that, yeah. as a kid growing <laughs> up, and I still have his jersey. So, all right, one last question to tie it up because we're we're getting long here. Which Swedish hockey player led the 2005 to 2006 Philadelphia Flyers in assists? 0506. 0506. Which Swedish hockey player led the Flyers in assists? I would that think year? that's Peter Forsberg. It is Peter Forsberg. Yeah. Okay. Finished the year with a healthy lead on the rest of the team with 56 assists. And if I'm not mistaken, I think he was traded at the deadline. <laughs> so I think he still finished out better and then i think he got traded for hartnell and team at that deadline yeah uh the runner-ups for assists in that season were pitkinen and hanzus who each had 33 and i was gonna say uh the leading goal scorer i believe was simone gagne that year uh could be simone gagne was fourth in assists with 32 okay. could, could have very well been yeah goal winner. all right well there's your flyers jetty for the night we did it we didn't do trivia last time did we we didn't we forgot on my way home i realized we didn't do it <laughs> but we can do it next time all right, well, that's going to do it. Um, for everybody at Two for Diving, uh, I'm Mike, that's Nick, and Danny's still out. And we will see you next time. See ya. Go Flyers.